You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. From lack of fresh produce in inner city stores to rundown homes with pest infestations and water leaks, where you live and work can have a profound impact on your personal well-being. On June 4th, the Washington Post brought together key government officials, doctors, and health experts to examine the impact of socioeconomic factors on the state of health. Research says loneliness can be as damaging as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. In this segment, Dr. Deepak Chopra examines the relationship between emotional and physical health and the impact of social media and other technology on human health. Let's listen. Good morning. I'm assuming since the video is over, we are, are live. I'm Jonathan Capehart, opinion writer for The Washington Post. And I would think that the man next to me needs no introduction, but I'm going to introduce him anyway. Dr. Deepak Chopra. Thank you. World-renowned pioneer in integrative medicine, author of several books, actually author of 86 books. Is it 86 or is it more now? Something like that. Around there. With a new one coming out in October. Um, you are the founder of the Chopra Foundation, co-founder of the Chopra Center for Well-Being. Welcome to the Washington Post. So we just saw the, the video um, there about loneliness and social uh, isolation. And I would like to get your take on all the research that show we're addicted to technology and that the inordinate amount of time we're spending on our smartphones uh, and on social media is interfering with all sorts of things from our relationships to sleep and productivity. Are, is that research correct? And are we actually in a loneliness epidemic? We're definitely in a loneliness epidemic. And all the research does show that social engagement and social and emotional well-being is directly connected to everything, including uh, uh, inflammation in the body, chronic illness. Only 5%, only 5% of disease-related gene mutations are fully penetrant, which means they guarantee the disease. 95% of even the mutations that are connected with chronic illness. And doesn't matter what the illness is, cancer, heart disease, autoimmune illness, Alzheimer's, 95% is associated with what is called low-grade inflammation in the body and also in the brain. Alzheimer's is one of them. And this is connected to lifestyle. And the most important lifestyle measure is social, emotional, connection. Mm -hmm. But having said that, technology is neutral. It's up to you how you use technology. You know, you can some, send somebody a, an emoticon with a kiss and a hug, and you can give them a dopamine hit right now. <laughs> it doesn't matter where they are, in South Africa or Botswana or India. Mm -hmm. So we can use technology these days there's deep learning, there's analysis of microbiome, you can monitor your sleep, you can monitor your stress levels, your movement, your exercise, your breathing. To me, this is the next frontier. We'll be using technology, including VR and augmented immersive experiences to actually reinvent the body, literally at the level of information and energy. Okay, so now I'm confused. Because on the one hand, we're suffering this, you know, we're constantly on our phones and our iPads and, and technology, and it's driving us nuts, and we're not going to sleep. Because you're being victimized by technology instead of you being in charge of it. So it, schedule time for technology. Put it away. 
I mean, as we were walking in, you were on your uh, thing. Okay. Well, yeah, because I, I mean, I took this fabulous picture of you, yeah, and I wanted to tweet it out. Even people. as we were getting on the stage, you were focused on that. Yes, I was trying to get yeah. your Twitter handle I, out there. I don't carry a phone unless I'm using it right now, and I'm not using it. So, you know, you put it off. Just like you have sleep time, you have technology time, you have exercise time, you have social engagement time. We're blaming technology. We invented it. We are not its slave. We are its creator. So and we can use it, actually, to create social justice, economic justice, well-being, health, and joy, if we want to, selectively. Hmm. I, I, okay. Well, you know, I want to, I want to throw out this, this um, statistic that just blew my mind about loneliness, and this is from, from a study. Loneliness and social isolation can be as damaging to health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's correct. And that is because we're living in a society where there's emphasis on performance and uh, misrepresentation of what success means. If success for you means all the time working hard, driving ambition, exacting plans and goals, then you will succumb to the modern epidemic of stress, which is directly or indirectly related to almost every chronic illness and addictive behavior that we have. So it is true. Social intelligence, social engagement, having friends and family that care about you, but also your career. Your, are you, do you have meaning and purpose in your life? Other things, community well-being, social well-being, physical well-being, emotional well-being, even financial well-being. Because if you're thinking all the time about money, and that happens to two classes of people, the extremely poor and the extremely rich, they can think <laughs> of nothing else except money. So they share the same stresses, the poor and the rich. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't mean that you're sleeping well, that you know how to manage stress that you're eating well, that you're getting exercise, it doesn't make a difference. I mean, I've heard all this demographic about poverty, but the most important things in your well-being are sleep, managing stress, movement, taking a breathing break, emotional connection, eating right, and once in a while connection with nature, and you're all set. <laughs> Does that, doesn't that sound so simple? It uh, is. It is uh, that simple. Okay, doctor. Um, I just, I, you know, I forgot to remind everyone, if you uh, here in the audience and who might also be watching live stream, that you can tweet your questions to us using the hashtag #PostLive. Dr. Chopra, let me bring you back to this notion that, um, you know, we don't have to be slaves to technology because we invented technology. Um, but isn't social media designed? to enslave us, designed to give us that, by the engineers, to give us that dopamine hit to constantly be touching our social media to be tweeting while coming on stage. Uh, if, if you're a victim to the hypnosis of social conditioning, yes. But you don't have to be, okay? As I said, schedule it. And actually, technology these days is being used. I use it for creating online and offline communities of well-being. So, you know, there's a combination of well-being communities. If I create an online community of well-being around a specific purpose, losing weight, sleeping well, managing stress, 
educating people about nutrition, then that very technology that we are criticizing can actually help create us, help us create an ecosystem of well-being that is both online and offline. So I ask people instead of posting their selfies on my social network, they should post their wealthies. What? What is what? What? A wealthy. <laughs> What's a wealthy? A well, you know, these days with facial recognition, eye movements, you can create algorithms that actually look at your face and can immediately predict whether you're stressed or not. You know. Right. And, and then what happens? So we ask people to post on our well-being app a wealthy and a purpose connected to it, and then engage with other people with that as well. So you start creating data with facial recognition on how people are motivated to improve their well-being, whether it's losing weight or exercising or connecting with each other. So then aren't you creating, in, in a well-being sense, um, at least with the community that you're developing and have developed, a sense of FOMO? Uh, fear of mi fear of missing out, which is one of those things um, that in my in my reading love adds to the anxiety. I'd love people isolation. to feel they are missing out on a conversation that is so important, which is the future of our well-being, and the future of our well-being depends on social and economic justice, sustainability, as was mentioned, conflict resolution and everything we can do to improve our personal and collective well-being. All the data is there, all the methodology is there, and we can use technology to our advantage. Technology is here to stay. It's part of human evolution. If you think you can get rid of technology, good luck. <laughs> it's not going to go away. So how are we going to use it? That's the question. What about those of us who have a hard time um, and I'm actually better than it looked. Then, like I do, put my phone away. Um, I, I'm not constantly on it. But what would be your advice to to folks in this room and who are watching, for whom the phone is like a third a third hand um, they, that they can't tear themselves away that their take, work take requires. a sabbatical every uh, or a Sabbath from technology every day for at least an hour or two hours. Put it away and see what happens. Life will go on. In fact, life will be much better. And at the same time, you know, you depend on technology these days to get an Uber, get find out right. where you're going, etc. your GPS. So you can't get rid of technology. But what, about, but, what, but what about people for whom their job requires that they be in constant contact. My colleague here, Robert Costa, covering, you know, covering the White House and the goings-on in Washington, he can't possibly take a, a one-hour sabbatical or a two-hour sabbatical. Take How a 15-minute sabbatical. Okay. <laughs> we, we, uh, what you're saying also, is find the time. You find the time and you tell your colleagues, I'm not available for the next half an hour. What's the big deal? The world won't change. <laughs> And those folks who, one of the other problems, especially in, in our industry here at the Washington Post, is a lot of, and in media in general, is a lot of emphasis, one on social media, but also on likes and followers and clicks. And that adds to this constant 
feeling inside that you've got to be doing things on social media to bump up all of those numbers, which requires us to be addicted and hooked on these things. So what can you tell you our know, editors to free us? There's a biblical expression, what good does it do a man or a woman to gain the whole world and lose their soul? The modern equivalent is, what good does it do to you to sacrifice yourself for your selfie? Which is what we've done. So, you know, people are so keen on getting validation, and that's because media builds it up. I mean, part of the problem is the media which thrives on melodrama. <laughs> and without melodrama, there's no news. And you just um, answered the question, the next question I was going to ask about the 24-7 news cycle and whether that's a good or bad thing. You think that's a bad thing. I check news once in the morning and once in the evening. It takes me 10 minutes. You know what's in the news in the morning. You know what's in the news in the evening. Why do you need more news? <laughs> so, so, well, because, there, because we have a, a president who is constantly doing things that are, are in so the news. He, you pointed out a very important thing. And this is the future of health of the world depends on how we take care of our children. If your child gets attention, which means is heard, appreciation, its qualities, good qualities are noticed, affection, it is cared for, acceptance, then you grow up to be a healthy adult. Otherwise, you could become the president of the United States. <laughs> Okay. All right, so you've given, so then, <laughs> to continue on this line then, what advice would you give the president about his social media habits? He's beyond hope. <laughs> so I have no advice for the president. No, no, so your, your suggestions of a, of a sabbatical, a social media sabbatical. Do not take apply to people who are that emotionally challenged. So then, how do, <laughs> so then, okay, so that's the president, he's, be, he's beyond hope. But what about the rest of us who... The rest who, of us, the re please make sure you go to vote next time, especially the millennials and the minorities and the women. Go and vote, don't complain, because otherwise you'll get what you deserve. In the meantime, though, <laughs> what... In the meantime, though, in, in all seriousness, Dr. Tropa, there's a lot of time between now and Election Day, and the tweets are coming constantly from the air, 12 hours ahead, six hours behind. How do we, how should we cope with that kind of onslaught from anyone, not just the President of the United States? I think States? the key always is self-awareness. If you're not aware of yourself and what motivates you, if you become a bundle of conditioned reflexes and nerves that's constantly being triggered by people and circumstance into predictable outcomes, then you're at the mercy of every stranger on the street. You have to seek your validation within yourself. The more self-aware you are, the more you'll be aware of what's going on in the world, because the world that we interpret is an interpretation of how we are feeling at a particular moment in time.
So you did a, a video for CNBC late last month. Um, if you go online, you can find it. It's from May 21st, where you talked for, I think it's about three minutes uh, about various thing, things. You had tips. The first tip was be present in the moment. This gets to what you were just talking about. For people who hear that, we hear that all the time. You have to be present. You have to be present. What exactly does that mean? And how, how do you do that? How do you be present? Let me show it. May I? Oh, please. So, are you present right now? Can you be a little more enthusiastic, please? <laughs> are you present right now? Okay. So, let me ask you the same question, but don't answer it this time, okay? Till I raise my hand, and then you can answer it. Are you present right now? So are you present? That was a thought. It was a question in the form of a thought. The answer, yes, was also a thought. But in between is presence. And that presence is you. So let me ask you the same question now. Are you present? And don't answer it at all. Just be aware of that which is present, which is you. Are you present? So this presence that we all feel right now, is what spiritual traditions call the self or the spirit. We don't have to use those words. It's just presence. It doesn't matter where you are. You can be present any moment by asking yourself, am I present? <laughs> oh, OK. Uh, <laughs> the, next, the next tip that you have is make conscious choices which seems you know, rather obvious, but, I, but because you are you, there must be a, a deeper meaning there. Make conscious choices. So I start my day with four intentions. A joyful, energetic body, a loving, compassionate heart, a reflective, clear mind, and lightness of being, which means take it easy. And then my day is organized around those four intentions. So I don't make choices that are a waste of time, energy, or resources. I'm what they call an energy miser. I save energy. And I can say that's actually probably one of the best ways to know how healthy you are, according to Gallup. If I asked everyone in this room on a scale of 1 to 10, do you have all the energy that you want to have to do all the things that you want to do, level 10 being the best, level 1 being the worst? And if you intuitively say 8, 9, or 10, you're thriving. If you say anything less than 8, 5, 6, 7, you're struggling in some area of your life. It could be worried about the president or whatever or about your finances, or about your relationships. And if you score less than five, you're actually suffering, and there's something that must be addressed in your life right now. It's that simple. Uh, the, <clears throat> the next uh, tip was take breathing breaks. If you, the normal breathing rate is about 14 per minute. When you slow your breathing to, say, half that, or eight a minute, and you can do that by just counting four on the in-breath, 
pausing for a couple of seconds or even one second counting for on the out-breath equal. You'll reduce your breathing rate to about eight, and that stimulates what we call the vagus nerve, which is the parasympathetic nerve that is responsible for self-regulation in your visceral organs, including your heart. It influences your heart rate variability. So if once in a while you can take a break and just slow down your breathing, even for a minute or two, that's a breathing break. And in the two and a breath half- is the basis of existence. When people are stressed, their breathing is irregular, it's faster, and so on. All right, and, and we have a little bit of time left. The last um, uh, tip was practice daily meditation, 15 to 20 minutes twice a day. And in, when you say this in the video, there's a woman in a chair with headphones in the middle of an office. So does that, is the signaling there is to do this meditation, to put down the social media, to shut out the world, and you can do that anywhere you, anywhere you want or need. Just like you can think a thought, no matter where you are, you can learn not to think no matter where you are. Really? Yes, really. Can, really to learn not to think. That's the highest intelligence, is the ability to be instead of always being triggered by your internal dialogue. We are human beings. We are not human thinkings or human doings. You start with being, feeling, reflecting, and doing. That should be the sequence. And back to the original topic that we sat down on the stage to talk about, the, the loneliness epidemic. For anyone who might be in the audience or, or watching who might have come to the realization as a result of this conversation that, you know what, actually I am lonely and this is, and social media is, is, the, is probably the thing that's driving it. What's Make the, what's a list of all the people that you care about and give them a little attention, affection, appreciation, and acceptance, and you won't be lonely. The best way to be happy is to make somebody else happy. Instantly brings you out of your loneliness. Dr. Deepak Chopra, thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. And at this time, we're gonna move on to the next portion of our program. Again, Dr. Chopra, thank you thank very you, much. Sean. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.